Wait, tell the story. <laughs> uh, it's kind of corny, kind of cheesy, and I love every minute of it. But uh, was I was uh, four years old, roughly. My, uh, my parents brought my brother and I to Disney World. At the time, you know, we pulled up to the hotel, and uh, we were staying at the Grand Floridian at the time. And my mom said we got out of the car, and I looked up at the hotel, and my mouth kind of just dropped open. I was like, oh, and I turned to her, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life, hotels and restaurants. <laughs> and it never changed. I mean, I wanted to do other things, too. Like, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Like, I dug holes in the backyard, of, you know, for years. But uh, it always just went back to hospitality, food and beverage, restaurants. It's waiting on fries that you don't get it? You don't, what do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries. But All this time on the entree, and it's perfectly executed, and then you're it's like, ready to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in, and I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's going to be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back ten minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> they just know that their food's not there in the service, that so they're still waiting on fries. I guess we're just waiting on fries. <laughs> Not only because we're fans of Sloop Brewing Company, but also because they've sponsored the show. Sloop Brewing Company operates out of Fishkill, New York, and are brewers of the one and only Juice Bomb, a Northeastern IPA, and other world-class ales and lagers. Visit their Instagram at Sloop Brewing Co. or find their website, SloopBrewing.com, in the show notes below. And mark your calendars for the official Sloop U.S. Open tee-off party, Thursday, June 18th, 2020, at Smokehouse Tailgate Grill, 320 Mamaroneck Ave., the U.S. Open is in town, and we have the official party sponsored by Sloop Brewing Company. Jay, you figured out something awesome? I figured out an awesome hack, guys. And I'm not proud of it, but I am proud of it, but I'm not proud of it simultaneously. Okay. Please expound on this. So the other day, when the kitchen was down in one of the places that I'm working at, I was starving at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was like, what the hell's open in this area right now? You know, it's a smaller town. And I asked some of the guys, and I know there's this dirty, dirty spot to order food from late night that all of us as kids were always fans of. And I was like, I'm getting some of that chili burger love in my life right now at 3 a.m. The most healthiest choice, obviously. You could say hubba's. Yeah, so they are. And anyway... <laughs> I love hubba's. I go, well, I can't leave the bar, right? I can't leave the bar. There's still people in this place. It's not like there's two people sitting at the bar. So I put their own order on Uber Eats, and I order hubba's from there. What did you get specifically? It was like a chili dog with cheese, a cheeseburger with chili, some fries, like... With chili? My, my go-to is the double chili, <laughs> excuse me, the double chili cheeseburger wedge. God. Yes, double chili cheeseburger wedge, lettuce, tomato, mayo, pickles, good to go. Every time they ask me to, like, four patties? Um, four patties. Yeah, four patties. <laughs> well, I don't go to the gym, so I can't give my li that liberty to myself. So I order, it's that's like right. 25 it NARP? bucks. NARP. NARP. That's NARP. Right. NARP. Yep, NARP stands for again. Non-athletic regular person. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, I put, I put through this order for Uber Eats, it's like 25 bucks, and... I'm so hungry. I'm so pumped that this thing is going to be here in a couple minutes. Mind you, this place is about two blocks away from where I work. And I'm looking at the app, and it just keeps on increasing the time scale of telling me when the food's finally going to be there. So I'm looking at it, and it pushes it ahead again on the estimated arrival time. And somebody at the bar goes, you know, sometimes they can't find drivers. So me being somebody that likes my food hot and not soggy in a to-go bag... Uh, when they seal the bag off, right? And all that moisture gets trapped in there. Although Hubba's is good any... Uh, yeah. yeah. 
As long as it's hot, you're ready to go. Well, I prefer it hot the way it's supposed to be. So I mean, you, I, I'm, okay. I got angry a little bit as the time just kept on getting forward. And I told my partner, I said, hey, I got to go pick this thing up. You going to be all right? He goes, yeah, go ahead. Get some food. I walk into the spot and the guy goes, how can I help you? I say to him, I'm here to pick up an order for Uber, Uber Eats. Eats. Yeah. And he goes, what's the name? And I said, Justin. And he grabs the bag and he hands it to me. And I just walk back over to the bar. That's pretty nice. As I'm on my way back walking, I go, what the hell do these Uber guys do after they get the bag? And I go, I guess he'll go in whenever he finally decides he's going to pick up my food, find out I picked it up already, <laughs> and then say it was delivered, right? Yeah. So then I said, shit, they must have to hit a button in the computer. So I'm back. I'm helping people. I'm also eating this food because I'm starving. And then all of a sudden, Uber sends me a message and says, we've canceled your order. That's pretty perfect. So you got your money back? You got your full bag of food? So I ate. I got a refund <laughs> because nobody ever picked up the food. And for a split second, I felt somewhat bad for the company if this happens often to restaurants because now they've prepared food that's just going to waste. Uh, no, but I said what? they're not uh, incurring the price of that. Uber's incurring the price of that. No, I think. So, no, the way, the way that does that, if you, this is why Uber sucks, right? Because <laughs> they, don't, they don't understand the business at all. And I think they just ran into doing this because, like, they're Uber and they just wanted to put their cloud around. They're really terrible at it. But the way that they made the agreement is that if you make the food and they have to cancel the order, they pay you okay. their – The cost for the food. What they would pay you anyway as if it was picked up. The problem is that there is a gigantic amount of waste involved yeah. because it ha that happens more than not. And usually you don't go pick up your food. Usually they just cancel it. Right. And on our end, we're like, we made the food ready. It's sitting there. It's ready no one's go. picking up. And then they just cancel it. And they're like, oh, we'll just cancel it. But there's no accountability for what happens to that food afterwards. So we're, yeah. they're creating a, a giant waste in the market. And there's no option for us to just say, I'll bring it. Like, you don't have a driver? <laughs> Let me click deliver. Yeah. And I'll send one of my drivers on it. We deliver anyway. And I'll get the payment on it. And I'll take the payment on it or whatever. There's not an option to do that. Yeah. So... Uber as a company would rather let the food go to waste, which we don't really like. Yeah, I mean, because sustainability, obviously. I mean, not just sustainability, but, but it's, it's just a, it's, it's just like a, a responsibility. Waste it's yeah. a waste of product, and I mean, we're already responsible for enough waste in the restaurant business. We don't right. need to just be cooking orders to throw away. I mean, it doesn't really go to waste. Usually, what happens is they put it back, and the savages, also known as the wait <laughs> staff, tear into it and eat it all anyway. Yeah. So it's not like we just throw it out, but it's still it's a waste of time, it's a waste of labor, it's yeah. a waste of product. It's a waste of all these resources, and Uber is really not accountable for it, and it happens a lot. So in in doing that and knowing that that's a thing that could potentially happen, it's like I'm almost just getting, start getting ready to go target these little right. small town areas where there's Uber, no drivers. Order Uber Eats at weird hours from places like really close to where you live and just run and go pick up your own it, food. Exactly. And I it, mean, it's still that's still essentially stealing, but just from <laughs> it's from Uber. You're stealing from Uber. So, exactly. though, too, you know, people that are leaving the bar late night on, you know, those nights working, too, where I know that with our state laws, everyone's got to be out of the bar by 4 a.m. People sometimes can't get an Uber. They mm. think they have an Uber. And then all of a sudden the Uber it cancels on them up. or yeah. just. Yeah, exactly. And they go, oh, my Uber just canceled on me. And I'm like, hey, I could do only as much as I can. You're also a grown up and responsible for getting yourself home, too. Uh, so yeah, there's Uber problems in various areas. I mean, we're fortunate enough to live in a more city like atmosphere where there's a lot more population, but 
these things like Uber, do they work in small environments? I'm sure or, they don't work nearly as well. Yeah, once you get into the r- rural towns, it's a little harder. They're not going to yeah. be just driving around. You I know. mean, it's, it's like some, where I live, I live up. I don't know. I was going to say upstate. I think it's upstate. I live upstate. It's definitely further north. That's right. <laughs> um, and there's not that many people around, so I don't think at yeah, like nine ten can't o'clock. Get yeah, there's only like two thousand people in my in my town. So that's kind of crazy. Like, there's more people in Nurseville High School mo- than in your town. Yeah, yeah, and most of them are probably sleeping by like eleven yeah. or so. So there's a, we took an Uber from the Hartford Airport because we're closer to Hartford. Mm-hmm. Well, not closer. It's the same distance from JFK to and to Hartford from my house, but <laughs> okay. it, I don't have to deal with traffic or yeah. tolls or anything. So we went to Hartford and we took an Uber back, and I felt bad because I was like, "There's no way this guy's catching an Uber going from here back to yeah Hartford at." 12 o'clock midnight nope you know there was a kid that was on youtube that actually did an experiment and he took an uber from the east coast to the west coast in one, one sitting oh yeah how much that, did it cost the uber driver was like wait you want me to do what you serious about this <laughs> and he had to call his wife to be like i know this sounds crazy but this kid's gonna have me drive all the way to the west coast uh I forget all the, the information inside there, but you could probably look that up. Because what crazy. if you get a bad driver yeah. and you get hooked on that? You know, oh, he's totally. just like stuck in a car for days. With yeah, like, well, he was with some buddies. So. The other problem okay. with Uber is they're not they're not presentable, and I don't know if there's an accountability. I don't know if they send out like for the drivers to say like, hey, you want to be an Uber each driver? You're representing these restaurants when they deliver it to oh, the no, house. Absolutely not. You should be wearing shoes. You should be wearing <laughs> absolutely. You know, not, not offense, not offensive. Yeah, you can't wear a shirt that says like you know, fuck you on it or yeah, something no. like that. And you I've just, seen, I've seen one driver come in with like a Uber Eats hat, badge, jacket, like everything branded. And, and chancletas I'm, on his feet. No, I mean, this guy was appropriate. Oh, he oh was really? Yeah, not, gotcha. He had an Uber Eats hat, an Uber Eats jacket, a badge with his picture on it and his license and the whole thing. And I was like, wow, you're the most official Uber Eats driver ever. He goes, yeah, I'm an OG guy. I'm like, OG, it started like a year and a half ago. What are you talking about? OG guy. But everybody else looks, it's they look like, like a bumps. random person off the street. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want this guy taking my food. To the, they're gonna, He's going to get to that house. They're going to open the door. This guy looks like a doofus. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're going to associate that with, with yeah, me. Food. Yeah. So this is actually, we're kind of going into one of the big times for Uber also right now. With, and as lazy. far as the bars go. Because we're coming up on St. Patty's. Uh, a lot of true. people are not driving. A lot of people Hopefully. are calling Ubers, which means that the multipliers are going to be crazy. But when guys are hammered in the bar, they don't care if that multiplier is four times. They're going to pay it because they want to get home. Oh, well, yeah. That's when you start making bad decisions. <laughs> Heineken was always was that, very But good. paying for a high Uber is a better decision than getting in a car and driving. Oh, Because sure. uh, that's sure. expensive as well. And we, and, they're going to close the block for St. Patty's Day yeah. when... On our street, because they do the parade right down the street. You're talking about in Mimarinic? In Mimarinic. They may do the St. Patty's Parade on that Sunday. That's and I know time. I got to shut off the Uber Eats because the drivers are lazy as shit. Oh, they can't get there. Yeah, they're not going to want to walk from where they have to park. It's oh, like around walk. the corner. Yeah, they're so lazy. It's Well, they, they want the money, but they only want to drive up to the store, right? Right. It, it so on days easy. like that, when it would benefit me to have Uber on because our customers, our guests, can't get to the store. Right. Well, guess what? The Uber drivers don't want to come to the store either. So these are the days that would be a benefit to have Uber Eats. And it, you should uh, you should have gotten that OG Uber driver's number. Right. Just kept him on. Get him ready. Yeah. Uh, I think in our city, too, Heineken has always been very good about paying taxi drivers that whole day just yeah. to get people There's a lot of things safe that go on. Like that. Yeah, yeah, and they stand campaign. in the Heineken Especially line. Especially in White Plains, right? Yes. Yeah. That's where it was originally seen, by me at least. But I'm sure it's in multiple different areas all over the U.S. Uh, that's a great... Promotional expense, right there, right? Absolutely. The, 
the good news, yeah, it's definitely great. It's good. And they get it all over the bar, so you walk into a bar and it says Heineken. Yeah. You, I almost want to order a Heineken just because they do that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't don't, be mad at that. I don't. I wouldn't be mad at that. Maybe support. just one over the course of the whole day. I, I like Heineken light. Really? Secret, Have you tried that Heineken secret, Zero Zero? Thing? No, that's a stu- oh, I don't understand that. Why? You don't you don't understand it, no. but it is I think one of the strongest Have you tasted it? Picked up. I haven't tasted it, but it's one of the strongest picked up uh items that have been thrown out into bars and I well, don't Well, I understand the concept. It's just not for me. To have I'm, I'm NA curious beer. to taste it. Like, I'm fine for tasting it, but I would never need a non alcoholic yeah, no, beer. If I don't want alcohol, I'm just gonna have water. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly, but, but I do understand the concept and the yeah. market. There is a market for that. There's for people sure. that would that do like that. It's just it's not mine. Well, I was just having this discussion the other day too, where I'm not looking for anything that's high ABV anymore at all. Like I'll have an Aperol Spritz if I'm hanging out. I will have well, a session it's a, IPA. It's a NARP. It's NARP. I just can't handle it. Yeah, you're correct. Uh, for the non-athletic regular people out there, we can't handle having all these high ABV drinks anymore. Well, it's not just high ABV though. There's a difference between. Not getting bangers and drinking non-alcoholic <laughs> Actually, beers. you know what this stems from? This stems from the fact that he went out and got hammered last night. He's having a That's rough morning. A rough morning. You need some <laughs> coffee labs. You need some coffee labs in your life. You wouldn't be saying this if you didn't have a rough morning. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, what are some of these items that maybe you get cooking for St. Patty's Day, Nims? Um, To be honest, I don't think I've ever really cooked very much St. Patrick's Day themed food in my life. All right, well, what are the foods that people wind up making? Corned beef and cabbage is like a staple, a standard that you see a lot. Grew up on that. Fantastic. You Dude, throw it in the pot. You just I, wanted me to I, say corned beef I and hate, cabbage. I hate how everybody does that. I mean, it's Nobody not orders corned beef and cabbage the other 364 days of the year. Nope. It's actually frustrating because I thoroughly enjoy corned beef and cabbage, and when I want it, it's never on a store shelf anywhere. I would pick it up during the year if it was Why there. I mean, it's not bad. Own? Like, if I, when I try it, it's like, okay, it's whatever. It's corned beef and cabbage. But everybody puts it out on St. Patrick's. Corned beef and cabbage, corned beef and cabbage. I don't think anybody really asks for Everybody makes though. a big deal, and they're like, you have corned beef and cabbage? No, people will come in and be like, are you doing corned beef today? I'm like, why are you excited to eat corned beef? You never ask for that. You come in here once <laughs> just, a week, just ask for it one all more time. year, and then this week you really want corned beef and cabbage. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. One more time. Just ask for it one just more time. Just ask for it one other time during the year, and I will buy this as an authentic <laughs> ask. Even yeah. the Irish people don't ask for it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Dan dive into a plate of corned beef and cabbage. I mean, I'm sure he eats it, but he's never been like, you know what I need? I need a corned beef and cabbage. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, that Irishman certainly does drink Jameson by the leader. Jesus Christ, that man drinks Jameson. So in a little bit, we got a good voicemail about, it really pains me to even say this, about a bar that doesn't make their simple syrup from scratch. So wait, how do they get simple syrup then? We'll okay. talk about that in a little bit. That doesn't even And then sense. we got another crazy Yelp. You know, what are the people doing out here with these reviews? It's insane to me. I am 100% going to destroy this guy. The Yelp, the Yelp review. Yes, yes, yes. He reviewed my store, so we're going to get into it. But first, we're going to talk to my boy Paul here. Paul Russo from Pax Romana, one of the best atmospheres in the county, if not the state. Jay, you look really upset. What's wrong? I'm just thinking about the phenomenal chicken parm. Mm. What makes this chicken parm so good? You both have talked about it now. We'll get into it. Hands down, the best chicken parm on the planet. A couple weeks ago, back-to-back days, my wife came in with a friend to the restaurant. Appreciate that, by the way. (laughs) And then the next day, I think it was the next day, my sister-in-law came in celebrating her. She got a raise, so she wanted to go to Pax. I called both days, and the first day I tried to buy my wife a dessert. 
I was like, oh, I, I see your wife. Don't worry about it. You know, she's here. You know, we appreciate that. And then the next day I called, trying to pay for my sister-in-law, you know, a dinner. And, you know, he helped me out with that. And then I said, he said, oh, you know what? We we'll can give her the dessert as a, as a bread. That's going to be on us, right? I said, Paul, you don't have to do that. You always take care of my family. They're in all the time. You know, we need a big table. You take care of it. You know, we just drop in. And I said, you're always taking care of my family. He says, okay, it's okay. You're family too. That's right. And I realized right there. That's, that's the, so nice. That's the way I feel like you guys are going about the business. It's like people are coming in. It's a family. Definitely. Definitely. Everyone's welcome. You come up with good energy. You're already 99% of the way there. So that's but, all I'm drawn to. That's what that's what Pax Romana really is. It's a peace pact, isn't it? At Pretty the end much, of the day, yeah. that's the translation. Roman peace, yeah. <laughs> Where the name really comes from? Google over there. Pax Romana <laughs> is Latin for um, <clears throat> the Roman peace. So it was a time during the Roman Empire, you know, because I'm trying to build an empire over here, and I'm Roman partly. Um, Say so time of like growth, prosperity, wealth, celebration lasted about 200 years. So maybe I'll get close to 200. I don't know. We'll see. Goal. Just, that's goals. You just yeah. keep passing it down. Right. So in what was your background though before opening this in my uh career wise? Yeah, I mean people go, I'm just gonna open up a restaurant or uh, were you yeah, already I made that decision when I was like four years old. It's my mom's <laughs> four years old. Yeah. It's my mom's most favorite cliche story. I don't really remember, but she remembers thoroughly and I never never changed. <laughs> wait, tell the story. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of corny, kind of cheesy, and I love every minute of it, but, uh, it was, I, uh, four years old, roughly, my, uh, my parents brought my brother and I to Disney World. At the time, you know, we pulled up to the hotel, and, uh, we were staying at the Grand Floridian at the time, and my mom said we got out of the car, and I looked up at the hotel, and my mouth kind of just dropped open, it was like, oh, and I turned to her, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life, hotels and restaurants. <laughs> and it never changed. I mean, I wanted to do other things too. Like I wanted to be an archaeologist. Like I dug holes in the backyard, of, you know, for years. But uh, it always just went back to hospitality, food and beverage, restaurants. So, so circling through growing up, were you doing this though? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I had other other jobs prior to the restaurant business. I think I started working when I was like thirteen, fourteen, and I wanted to like all I wanted to do was work. You know, so it wasn't like, oh, you have to get out of the house and go get a job. You know, you're freeloading over here. And it wasn't like that. It was just like, no. Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to sign something? Do you have to sign something? Can I go work? Let's go. So then, uh, <clears throat> what was I? I was a caddy at Ardsley for a little bit. Ardsley Country Club. Uh, then I worked at Stu Leonard's for a couple of years as a cashier. Loved it. I actually really did. It was a great company to work for. And just, it kind of exposed you to people, especially as a cashier. So now I'm kind of learning that other dynamic of it. I was young, though. I was probably, like, 16 at the time. Um, but, like, was learning more about people and personalities and how interesting the world can be, <laughs> one way to put it. How to deal with the general yeah. public. And uh, then, yeah. With Stu Leonard's, at the end of the day, did you guys go hit the ice cream shop and get the salsa? All the time. That yeah. was, like, a thing that you did, yeah. right? Okay. All the time. This is this place you can't steer away from that saucer. It's, it's like crack. That's no, amazing. Yeah, I just found uh, the flying saucers in my fridge, for, uh, my freezer from Stu Leonard's. I like ate three of them <laughs> for breakfast. But now it's good. Uh, and then uh, let's see. When I was seventeen, then I started to really get into this business. So I was at the Castle on the Hudson in Terrytown. I live in Terrytown, so uh, for four years. But my first two years, I was. Um, Back and forth from school. So I went to Johnson & Wales for hotel restaurant management. 
and uh so it was there i got my bachelor's in that and then um once i graduated i went full-time at the castle and then kind of put myself out there that was a huge turning point in my life i worked for a very interesting individual where who i learned a lot from but i'm not going to say his name because it's probably not nice but i learned a lot more i learned a lot more from his mistakes and probably what you shouldn't do taught me a lot of good things too but I don't know, I kind of just feel like if you're in the hospitality industry, <laughs> starting off as just being a good person is probably the best way yeah. to kind of elevate yourself a little bit more. You know, depending on what you want to do, you just want to make a paycheck and take advantage of people, I guess. I don't know. Then act however that, you that want. There's some business model out there to right. people. Yeah. But yeah, so being just be a good person is probably the best way to start in this business. So, and then everything else kind of follows. So I did that for a few more years. And then, uh, that's a long story short. And then I went to a private golf club in Rockland. And it was ironic because when I worked at Ardsley when I was 13, I hated caddying. Like, I, I wasn't really a caddy. I couldn't tell you what to do. It was like, oh, you want this iron? You want, okay, here, take it. You know, I carried a bag. <laughs> but I said to myself at the time, I was like, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to try. I was like, but I will never go back to a club for the rest of my life. Fast forward, what, uh, not even 10 years later, I was back in a club <laughs> and loved it and took over food and beverage there as their director and then did that for first few years. I was co-managing with a good friend who's still a good friend who's amazing in this business. We learned a lot from each other. And then uh, I think it was after two seasons, maybe, no, maybe two or three. And then I just took over completely for the last three. And then the next goal was for myself, you know, and my partners. And you so. you were saying too along the way that you were able to pick up on things that guys did wrong, mm -hmm. and I, I think that's true to a lot of people that are paying attention in this business. Is as you're on your journey and as you're trekking through various different ownerships and seeing various different uh, business models, that you do take maybe the negatives and drop them, but take all those positives that sure. exist in these businesses. And now as you've been in seven, eight different places, you've essentially assembled an idea of a business model by taking all of those best points that all yeah, those guys did. Definitely. And nobody really does things the same way at, at the end of the day. So you were able to take a lot of these things that you saw throughout your journey and then be able to apply them to Bax Romana. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, even going back to the maitre d' that I learned from, you know, if you really want to get, like, quick nitty-gritty of how that started with the castle we love nitty-gritty yeah i guess i don't know about it. uh it'll, it'll touch on some of those points i guess but so i was what 17 at the time so my mother's back to my mom my biggest support of my whole life um my whole family is but my mom was she's just always there and um and i say that for a reason so when with the castle she's like all right listen there's a job opening up the castle go apply i'm like all right cool so Went up there, sat in this beautiful lobby, way above any price range I've ever seen with my own eyes, because I lived in, you know, a little bubble of Tarrytown at the time. I was still young, you know, so I wasn't as exposed yet. So, uh, beautiful property. It still is. Immaculate. If you haven't been, just go walk the grounds. It's incredible. Um, but she said, all right, go for your interview. So I went, met with the restaurant manager, talked with him for a little while. And uh, said, all right, if we need you, we'll give you a call in a couple of days. All right, cool. 
So I go home, waiting, waiting. My mother, a couple of days, did they call you? No. She goes, all right, you go back. And I said, are you sure? And she goes, yeah, you go back. I said, all right. So I went a second time, met with him again, talked shorter this time, obviously. He was like, all right, if we need anything, we'll give you a call. Cool. A couple of days go by. And again, when I was like, did they call you? I said, uh, no. I was like, and she's like, all right, you go back. And I was like, are you, are you sure? I was like, you, you know, and she's like, yeah. She goes, you go back. And I, to this day, I will say those three little words. You go back, changed my entire life. And uh, so I went back a third time. And then the catering manager saw me. He's like, oh, you know, the one who, you know, learned a lot from. Uh, and he said, oh, you know, uh, seen you here a couple times this week. Like, what's going on? I said, oh, I'm looking for a job, you know, and... Uh, He's like, I thought you worked here Right, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I'm just like hanging out in this lobby, 17 years old. Right, clean, yeah, do whatever you need. Like he said, um, he goes, well, I'm hiring a catering department. You know, would you be interested in that? He said, yeah. I was like, I'll do that. He goes, okay. He goes, how soon can you start? I said, well, you tell me. And he's like, all right, can you start tomorrow? And I said, sure. He goes, well, you need a tuxedo. You need this and that. He goes, do you have all that ready? I said, I was like, yeah. He goes, you have a you have a tuxedo right now? I said, yeah. He goes, how old are you? I said, 17. And he goes, you're 17, you have a tuxedo. And I said, I do. <laughs> you know, I'm ready to go. And he goes, all right. He goes, you start tomorrow. And he goes, make sure I can see my reflection in your shoes. I said, okay. So I went home and my mom was like, all right, so I had to go today. And I was like, oh, I got the job. I start tomorrow. She goes, that's great. I was like, yeah, but now I need a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I told the guy I had a tuxedo. And I was like, I don't have one, but I wasn't going to pass up on it. So she's like, all right. She goes, we're going to Yonkers. Um, my grandmother, my nonna, her cousin's own San Marco tuxedo right near uh, Cross County. So we went straight there, and they fitted me for a tuxedo, like quick makeshift, quick hem, quick everything, and bought patent leather uh, <laughs> shoes. He said he wanted to see his reflection. I walked in the next day. He's like, oh, shit. He goes, you really had a tuxedo? I said, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, why the hell are your shoes so shiny? I was like, you wanted to see my reflection. He goes, I was being sarcastic. He goes, you're going to kill your feet, though. Get rid of those, because I don't want to see them. He goes, you look like you're the one getting married. And so I was like, all right. So then went back to regular shoes after that. Killed my feet that first day, but I dealt with it. And That's then, awesome. uh, So then fast forward four years, he was on his way out for a plethora of reasons. And I remember uh, we were standing on the loading dock of the hotel, and he was smoking a cigarette. And so I said something was like, you know, so-and-so again. I don't want to say his name. But uh, I was like, you know, I appreciate everything you did for me the past few years. You know, um, I'm sorry, fast forward two years, not four, because I was there for four in its entirety. So fast forward two years from getting hired. So I said something was like, you know, thank you for everything you taught me the past couple of years. Um, you know, I wish you well on everything, but I think I'm going to go for the catering manager's job, which was his job. His job. Yeah. You know, and uh, so he looked at me and he gave me this look and he flicked his cigarette and uh, he goes, he goes, you think you'd be able to do what I do? He goes, you'll never be able to do what I do. And I was like, you know, in my head, you know, I was like 19, almost 20 at the time, you know, hot headed Italian, probably could have had a few words to say, but I was like, you know what? I was like, that's not class. I was like, that's not what I'm striving to be. So I was like, I was like, All right, you know, I almost said his name. Uh, I was like, all right, you know, uh, you know, 
still wish you well. You know, appreciate everything. And I never saw him again. And so I went right to the GM, who I had a good relationship with. And I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, oh, you know, you're still a little green and everything. But, you know, he knew the way I worked. You know, I started off picking up shrimp tails off the floor, you know, after cocktail hours got done. And I said to myself, I was like, nobody's going to pick up shrimp tails off the floor better than me in the world, ever, to exist. <laughs> so I did that. And then I moved up, moved up, moved up. So then when I went for this opportunity, he, uh, I said to him, I was like, you know, you give me a chance. I was like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, I'll still work hard for you. You know, no harm, no foul. And so I said, all right, you know, you'll see what you can do. So then I, I did. You know, I ended up getting captain's position and then took over as the assistant manager. And then there was a full-time manager that worked like in more than just the catering. So we all worked together. But I was able to work up to that management position that I wanted. I did that for two more years. So I never heard from him again. And from what I understand, maybe he knows, maybe he doesn't. I guess it's irrelevant whether he does or not. But I did what I needed to do. And then I ended up getting Employee of the Year that same year. Too. <laughs> there you go. So it was nice. even more icing on that cake. You uh, can never do my job, Employee of the <laughs> no. Year. What's up? Yeah. Right, right. It was like gassed up. But again, I stay humble. <laughs> yeah, I stay yeah, humble. true. But uh, it was good. I, and I loved it there. I really did. I loved the property. And then I went to the golf club. Well, it's yeah. also a good experience to have as far as opening your own business anyway is Definitely. having that catering background because I, sure. I think we all agree that there's money to be made in catering. In these oh, my God. Night, yeah, it could be night and day depending on the concept, depending on everything. Sure, so you learn the execution of it, right. the pricing, how many right. people have to serve things. So you have a leg up out the gate, which sure. many guys that open a restaurant are just like, oh, I guess we'll do catering now also because Definitely. people asked if we could get trays <laughs> uh, and not really know how to do this pricing. So now – you, you finish there, right? and what happens next? Well, that's, that's pretty much going to be the longest part of that, you know, this story, the growth of it, because that's how I started. You know, and it all, again, stemmed from you go back, you know, and changed everything. Otherwise, I don't, and not that I was against going back, but, like, I was just so young and so new. Like, I didn't think that was what you did, but it changed my life. So then... All of this that followed catapulted me into the golf club. It's where I was for six years. But now I took, like, the catering aspect. But, again, even at the hotel, anything that needed to be done, valet, housekeeping, bellboy, front desk, if somebody needed, like, um, somebody to fill in, I was there. But catering was my focus. So then at the golf club, now, I, you know, taking over food and beverage, um, Unbelievable learning experience. Super, super private club. Like I'm talking massive wealth and talk about influencers. These are athletes, politicians, um, finance, all walks of life. Though it's not very, it's not a specific demographic at this club like some clubs can be. Mm -hmm. Very, very diverse. And it's just actors, actresses. It's crazy, crazy. I wish I could say names, but I've signed a lot of confidentiality (laughs) agreements in my life. And uh, all awesome people. And it was crazy, too, because now I'm thinking this amount of wealth, everyone seems to demonize the people that are in this amount of wealth. And, like, I still to this day watch them on the news, getting interviewed, getting blasted by the news, everything else. And meanwhile, they're the nicest, most generous, down-to-earth people. Not all of them, but I would say 98% of them were. And, like, I've literally watched them in the restaurant at the club, watched themselves on TV, and so, you know, like, how do you feel that they're blasting? He's like, I do what I do. It's irrelevant. These guys are writing 
donation checks, massive ones that the media will never cover because they don't that's know. That's part of the territory, though, yeah. too. But the nice thing about the, the club, now back to how it applied to my life, now I'm seeing a membership. I'm seeing the same people every day. I'm seeing, it was not a huge membership, maybe 210 members at the time, um, where some clubs 500 plus, you know? Um, but you see the same people over and over again every single day. And they all have their own personality. So now I made it a game, and I'm like, okay, this person, I'm going to learn everything about this guy's personality, this woman's personality, the, you know, so-and-so. And it was just such a diverse membership and diverse personalities that I said, whatever I do next, now, like, maybe I'll run into somebody that reminds me of so-and-so because of their personality, and I already have it figured out, like, how I can approach you. Not to manipulate you in a bad way, but it's just to provide you that hospitable experience that, you know, you deserve if you come into anything that I, for me, for what I do. So, again, it was a game. So, I had six years of training, learning different personalities. That's a really interesting way to think about it, but it yeah. makes sense. So, that's why, like, even today, I still, like, oh, this one reminds me of so-and-so. You know, it may not be 100%. I got you figured out a decent amount where... You know, I genuinely want you to enjoy your time, you know, in this case at Pax Romana, you know, and so that's what I strive to do. So that was the biggest part of the golf club. And it was, you know, life changing again in itself. You know, I still keep in touch with most of them. Um, and but I wasn't leaving there until it was for myself. So then that's how Pax Romana came to be. Good old White Plains. Right, and I mean, that's a huge you know, subject to talk about in itself. Yeah. And with that being said, you said you weren't going to leave until you were ready to do it for yourself. Right. How long, mind you, you have a couple partners in this business. I do. Love them with all my heart. And yeah. you met those guys at, at what point in this um, journey? Well, one of my partners, Alfredo, I met in probably, has to be 2005 or 2006. And we uh, had mutuals, you know, became friends and everything, realized we had a lot in common, realized we had a love for the restaurant business. And even back then, we we're like, one day, you know, we're going to we're going to open up a restaurant together. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And then what was it? Fast forward. Four, about mm, 11, 12 years later, we did. So and then along with his brother, Christian. So the three of us are partners, and Christian's been in the game for a long time. You know, he's with Haiku, and his uncle with um, is the one with his partner started Haiku, so he really learned Westchester and the business and everything, and Haiku's powerhouse, you know. Mm-hmm. I think they have four or five restaurants still. Um, and so it was just, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, allergy season, I guess. But a collective... Um, effort, you know, one brought this, one brought that, one brought this. We all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses, but it was like such a perfect balance of a partnership in the sense that where somebody was weak, the other one had a strong point that we'd what, lift each other up. What actually are those strong points that you each um, carry the torch into the business with? I'm probably more of the risk taker. You know, I'm definitely like, all right, let's just, let's do it, you know, and you need that. Right. And, you know, I'd like to think, you know, I try to go into it intelligently and rationally and do my homework on it first. But I love projects. I love new projects. And I want it to be successful. 
where sometimes my partner's a little bit more reserved, but it's good because it tones me down because sometimes I get too excited, you know, and I need to tone it down. And I kind of feel like then it's also the opposite where I try to boost that up to a little bit too. So it's a perfect balance. It's like, all right, hold on. You know, I know you're excited. I know you want to do this. Calm the hell down a second. This is what, what can make it even better. I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, I didn't think of it that way, but all right, cool. Let's do it. And you, you touch yeah. on that too. Cause the balance in the partnership is so important. It's important. And listen, we're all, we're all human. We're all human. We have our moments, but. We talked about last episode, like Mike and I had to figure out our balance because we talked yeah. about, like in the beginning we were doing, <clears throat> we were doing everything together. So, you know, one day we're like, oh, I'm going to cook today. I remember you shift with you in the kitchen. Yeah, like you run the, you <laughs> run the front, I'm going to cook today. And then that tomorrow was... you do this and I'll do that. And then it was, it was just all over the place yeah, no. and the consistency <laughs> wasn't there. And then we figured out, you're better at that. I'm better at this. Right. You know, right. and I'm the same way. You just said, I'm the, I'm always like, fuck it, let's do this. Let's just do it. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, we don't have the money for that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Just, <laughs> just came in with like the the social Instagram counter that he was getting hyped about putting yeah. up in the place. He was like, "Yeah, Mike's gonna kill me. I bought a second one." <laughs> Amazing. Just keep rocking. But and Doing it. so that's true. You need to have that balance because not Definitely. everybody has Definitely. a strength in every single area. Some of us are well rounded, but we still sure. need to have our strengths. And I think for uh, a lot of the part, as far as pe- what people see coming into Pax Romana is you're always there in the front of the restaurant. Yeah. You're always saying hello to everybody. You're always greeting everybody. Well, that's the other side of it, too, is that I love being on the floor. Like, I love being on the people. And not that, you know, um, they don't, but they're better at back office. I can't sit at a desk. I'll lose my mind. Totally. Yeah. And uh, same. Like, I need to be out in action. I don't want to know. And listen, we do. We all do our fair share of paperwork and everything. I'd say it's the least, obviously, the least exciting part of the job, but one million percent necessary. Um, but where one of my partners would rather be a little bit more, take care of that, and he's very, very good at it, and I trust him completely, by all means, let me thrive on the floor. Like, I'm good with that. I want to be in the front. I want to greet you when you come in. You know, if you're happy, I want to hear about it. If you're not happy, I want to hear about it. That, that's another big part of um, my goal and like things that I've seen over the years is the criticism, whether it could be positive or it could be negative and how to handle that. And I feel that the business has a very stigmatized image of owners or managers and experiences that guests have had that I'm trying to change completely because and I think it's kind of scary. That could tie right back into your gamifying yeah. of this entire business mm-hmm. where you're like, this person needs this, yeah. this person needs this. Right everyone expects something different when they go out, which is why we have a lot of negative Yelp reviews that some <laughs> yeah. people read and yeah. they go, that's not really that bad. Well, yeah. what's this person talking right. about here? Right. My so, favorite is too salty, especially when they eat carbonara. Like carbonara <laughs> is salty. <laughs> right. You know, we're using pecorino cheese. It's not Parmigiano. Pecorino is salty compared to like right. sweeter Parmigian or guanciale. Like that's salty, fatty pork cheek. I'm not using bacon. Like, we don't even add extra salt. Yeah, it's going to be a little salty. Fatty, too salty is always my, right. It's too fat. It's too much. That's fat. the other it's part fat. of it. It's it, exactly. <laughs> but uh, that's always my favorite. Too salty. So but. before you open Pax Romana here, because you don't just go. Well, you actually might have just said, "Guys, let's, <laughs> let's open up this it. restaurant." <laughs> and your boys were probably. like, "Slow down a little bit here, Paulie." Right? No, it was collective. It was collective. We probably we restaurant hunted for probably almost a year. So you're looking for a space, yeah, originally all over. But Westchester. you already kind of have to have a plan at that point, right? You have some idea of what yeah. you're going to be doing for sure. But for sure, that the. 
Pax Romana, I want to say almost version one. Can we say that? Yeah. I always say this is 1A. You know, yeah. This is, right. I mean, it's always going to keep on getting better and evolve over time. But the goal. in that first uh, location that you took over, mm-hmm. it was a huge, huge corner cap. It was a big space. Yeah. It was about uh, 11,000 square feet, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot. Big. and. I don't really loved, I'm, loved I'm what with, we did there. Yeah, I'm over here 3,700. I'm like, oh my God, this is huge. This is <laughs> Crazy. From the outside, you don't really know what's happening inside to some <laughs> extent. So the first right. time that I walked in there, I was like, eh, the street's a little quiet. Maybe it's not so busy inside. Yeah. You open up the front doors. And the moment you open it up, you start hearing people talking and chatting and you hear some music <laughs> in the background. It's an interesting round. And it's completely filled, the, yeah. in, the entire place. I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. But then you start looking around at the build-out, and you have these beautiful blue tiles on the wall yeah. with white, and you walk in, and on the left-hand side, there's this gelato flag. counter with mm-hmm. all of these colorful gelatos right there. So, like, instantly walking in, you know you can get dessert here. Oh, and you're yeah. thinking about it out the gate before you've even had an appetizer. Yeah, everyone's chose their, chosen their dessert already and before did, they even see the hostess. So you did, like, a lot of interesting things in this place, too. You had a yeah, whole light coming down on this center square rectangle counter that mm-hmm. pasta was getting made on all the time. And guys were sitting there watching the pasta be made while they were having yeah. glasses of wine. Just, like, really cool things that weren't being done. Yeah, and that was um, all part of the original plan. You know, I think a lot of it... I'm. First generation Italian on my mother's side. My mother was born there. Um, her family immigrated here, I think, 47, 48 years ago now. She was 12 years old. Uh, just gave away my mother's age, but <laughs> I don't think she'll mind. Uh, but, uh, and then my father's the all-American boy, but his roots are Italian, but American through and through. So I had a nice balance of both growing up. You know, my super American side, my super Italian side. Um, but then my partners are the same too. They're, but they're even more so, both their parents you know, and they're brothers. My two partners are brothers. Um, both their parents born there, you know, so they were raised. I mean, they're American, but they were very raised very Italian. But we had that commonality. Um, and that was the goal with this was kind of to create a place that felt like you were at home. You know, me growing up, I remember my grandmother making sauce every August with my grandfather, 300 plus jars that would hopefully make a year at 300 plus jars, you know, for a family of four or five, you know, and pasta being made and cooking every single day. And my house growing up smelling like all these different foods. My two partners, the same exact thing. And, you know, we enjoyed going out to restaurants, but nothing ever felt like that same, that same vibe. You know, even when I'm at the restaurant, I don't change anything. I don't become a robot. You know, I'm exactly who I am. Even the way I answer the phone sometimes (laughs) is like, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, what do you, no, I'm sorry, we don't take reservations, you know, but it's just very, very casual. And I kind of feel that people have been drawn to that because it's it's just genuine. I, and I love the fact that I don't have to change anything about who I am and how I act in order to relate to somebody. And I kind of feel that's translated well, you know, so far at least. I don't know. It's just interesting business. I, I think that that's exactly why I opened yeah. with that story because it yeah. blended itself to... You know, it's just like, oh, you're coming over. You're coming over my place. Right. Here's some dessert. Yeah. But going back to what you said, you know, when you walk in, it was that different vibe. You know, I loved walking into my house and seeing my grandmother right there on the table making pasta, making sauce, or cooking this, my grandfather helping. So when you walked into PAX at PAX 1 or whatever you want to call it, yeah, and you saw that, you walk in, you see that food, you smell those aromas, you see those 
you know, those Italian ladies making that pasta right there in the di- You're literally walking into my house. It was just like some cooler lighting, maybe. I don't know. You know, and a bar that at the time was 40 feet long. I don't have a 40 foot bar in my house. So that was a little bit different, you know, but it was it was home and I still call it home. And even the ones who work with us, you're part of my family. And that could be another topic completely because everyone that works with us, you are my family. You are number one in my book above the guest above everyone you work with us you are absolutely number one and if you're still with us and a lot of them came back when we went to pax 1a which is now tvb by pax romana um they came back with us you know 17 months later and to me that's every that's my soft spot like that's my weakness you know like i i care about these people and there's not a single thing that anybody can say to me about them that negative that I would ever believe because I know who they are as people. And I will vouch to them till I'm blue in the face. I've told, you know, very, very rarely has I gotten this. A couple of times I've even had to ask somebody to leave because I didn't like the way they were talking about the staff. And I'll do that all day for them. So I, th- I think that's good to have the support and have a team that that's yeah. strong together to the point where in my heart. You, you say, know. all right, you know, there's a bad apple in the in the group. We have to make sure that this yeah, group stays alive and healthy. For sure, for sure. And, you know, and again, we're all human. We all have our moments, you know, but look at this rationally. You know, let's figure out a solution that's going to benefit everyone. And I think also even my management style is um, just jump in and work together. You know, at no point, I feel, should you think that uh, – you're too good to do something, you know? Completely. And uh, that goes back regardless to the shrimp of on the title. Floor. Right. I was there picking up shrimp. I know what picking up shrimp tails feels like. And these people are providing for themselves, their families, you know, their kids, everything else. Like, I want you to, to crush it, you know? So if I can help you along the way, you know, maybe make something a little bit easier for you. If you're in the weeds and I could jump in and help out, maybe make you an extra 10 bucks on that gratuity because so-and-so didn't feel neglected, you know, that 10 bucks is going to add up over time. You know, maybe you can give yourself, your kids a better life. Sure. So that's what I'm all about. And it's a good way to go about it too because if you're out there for, yeah. with working with them and doing all that, all that grunt work, they're going to work harder for you. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, they're like, no, this guy's there. As soon as like, I see you doing it, they'll be more apt to doing it themselves. The same thing. I run around busting tables, yeah. whatever. Like, I'm too good to bust a table. No. This is my first table right. I ever bust. It's like uh, Goodfellas. What, it I never you, dug a hole It keeps before? you sharp too. You know, it does. <laughs> yeah. It keeps yeah. you sharp. Absolutely. So, and then, listen, I've never once been snapped back at if I had a request to do something because they know I would do the same thing for them in a heartbeat. So it makes the whole thing. I've done one, uh, been open almost a year and eight months at the new location. I did one interview and that whole time. And it was because of a school schedule change. The waitress that needed to make the change, she's still with us, but nobody could fill in her gaps with school and everything else. So I had to hire somebody new. It was the weirdest experience. It's like, uh, it's been a while, like... What are your long-term goals? What are your short-term goals? <laughs> Do you like bread? <laughs> you know, is this a date? Like, I don't know what's, what's going on. But you seem to have a cool personality. You're chill. You're going to fit in well here. Again, just be a good person. Everything else, fine. We were just we'll talking learn. about the interviews last episode. Yeah. Hold on about that, Just. We'll continue this conversation in a little. But, Paul, hang out for a second as we check the voicemail. Have you subscribed to the show yet? Hit the follow button to have new shows land in your new release section. Hey, yeah. 
you guys make your simple syrup from scratch? The bar that I work in keeps buying it, and I'm not understanding why we just don't make it. Is this common? I mean, come on. Let me know. So, Jay, you must feel pretty strongly about this since I know you're all about doing things from scratch and doing things properly. I'm sure you make your own simple syrup wherever you go. The only thing that I don't get is not being efficient with things, whether it be time, whether it be materials, whether it be cost. It makes absolutely zero sense to purchase a bottle of simple Simple syrup. syrup. We're talking about water and sugar and the time it takes to boil that water. You're literally talking about water and sugar and the time it takes to boil that water. Literally. And why would anybody purchase this when you can just what's a pallet of sugar cost uh, a, i don't a know pallet. about a pallet i don't know about a pallet <laughs> that's a fuck ton of sugar day a 50 pound bag so you're talking about 30 bucks for a 50 pound bag of sugar and half of that becomes water why would you spend $3? well the sugar doesn't become water jay i you know you know what i'm getting at but why would you spend the money on just having that take up stock room when you're using sugar already in your restaurant for other things anyway, right? I mean, that's just pure laziness. Yeah. I, I think it's... Buying it over making it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I mean... Super, especially something like simple syrup. Super simple to make. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're talking about one-to-one ratio, two-to-one ratio. If you're really feeling froggy, a three-to-one ratio. Whoa. But you have more control over it when you actually make it yourself versus just being yeah. stuck with what they have it's there. fresher, probably tastes better. 100%. Yeah. You know, like... Not what's, to, what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> Literally, what's the point? I, I don't understand. Why. I mean, if they're buying the simple syrup, what else are they buying? What, <laughs> what are they making? <laughs> well, it's like you're skipping right. the easiest thing to do. The Agreed. name is simple syrup. <laughs> Agree. And a cheat do code, the simplest thing. Completely. And a cheat Stop. code to making that simple syrup too is just use the hot water from the coffee machine. It's already hot <laughs> as hell. You don't even have to wait for the boil. You don't even need a pot. <laughs> Completely. Just give it some stirs, throw it in a bottle, and call it a day. And when you run out, you just do the same process over again, and it'll take two seconds. <laughs> this is crazy. I would tell my dude that just called. Maybe he should start looking for a better bar. Or, or be the guy that works to change things at the place where yes. you work. Oh, even better. I like yeah. that. Yeah, you can't always change everything. But also you he can, but said, you can try. Also he said, what's the bartender in the daytime doing then? And that, that's true, right? That because true. a lot of the job of a daytime bartender is you're doing the prep work to set up success for the nighttime. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to crack open those bottles of simple syrup. That's a hard job. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> There's got to be some roses, lime juice, and sour mixed behind that bar too. All that. About now, waiting on fries, quarters in full effect. Fresh J residing in the case of waiting on fries against the Yelp reviewers of America. Prosecuting attorneys are Anu Bandel and Justin Zato. Order, order, order. We got a we got a Yelp review that I am fired up about. All right, so we have from DS on Yelp. It says this is for the New Rock location. This is written on our Mamarinic locations page. So number one, we're on the wrong location. But just so everybody knows, this is for the New Rock location. So for the longest time, I've been reading the reviews online and even subscribed to their Instagram page. Well, I finally dedicated to order online. Worst mistake ever. Let's start with the salad, a BLT wedge salad. So they take a head of iceberg lettuce, cut it into four wedges, and serve it drizzled with some diced tomatoes and a bacon mayonnaise on it. Really? The burger had black lettuce and bruised tomatoes on it and tasted like dried mealy meatloaf. Yuck. The fried thighs were overdone and tasteless. OMG. The only decent thing was the empanadas, except it just wasn't enough meat inside. Kind of cheap portions when you're charging $6.50 for two appetizer-sized empanadas. Can I just 
jump in real quick and say that I feel like the lettuce was not black. It probably wasn't black. No, none of this was, was true. And I'm going to explain <laughs> it. Like, what kind of lettuce do you put on the burger? And I reached out to this guy a couple times, like professionally, called and I'm like, sorry about your experience. You'll make it better. I'll send you a new one. He's like, no, 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 no. And he just like, he wrote this same review on Google, on Yelp. He like went across the internet and wrote it. And let me give a backstory. This guy, we ran a couple in Instagram contests from time to time. Yeah. Where we say like, you know, put a post up here and we'll give you a free appetizer or, you know, we're doing a brunch giveaway, yeah. you know, tag us, tag a friend and we'll give you a free brunch. brunch. This guy entered every single one of them. Right. And we sent him like, okay, you get a free appetizer. Okay. You get a free brunch. We get it. And every time he's like, I can't, I can't make it. Can I get a rain check? Can I do this? Uh, so he's like consistently sliding into the DMs asking for free stuff. Yeah. He's never been to the store, but he wants like free stuff at this point. Right. Because he's always like, oh, I took you out. Guys look good. Blah, blah, whatever. Finally, he decides to come, and he decides to order online and get a salad and empanadas and a burger. Okay, fine. Um, he doesn't take us up on any of the offers where we say, come in. We'll take care of you. You want a brunch? Come in. Yeah. Oh, no. And he wa- and when he ordered this online, he called, and he wanted to, like, apply his, his, free, want, his free brunch to his <laughs> takeout order. Yeah. And we were like, no, I'm sorry. That was a promotion for brunch. You can come in and collect your brunch, but you can't, like, apply... Brunch you know, to your delivery. Brunch to your delivery, like yeah. the discount. Like I don't even know how to quantify that. So he was already like that. And and then he just goes in there. I made this order. I remember it going out. Okay. I made sure it was good because I knew he was a first time customer. Right. So you know, it's just it's just really frustrating that he went and like just tore it up all over the place. And I'm pretty sure he's looking for more free stuff. I'm sure. He is. Because when I reached out to him professionally and I said, I'm really sorry. You know, like, how can we do a make it up? And he's like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. He had, like, a whole list of demands, you know, like, sliding up and into the DMs, like, we can do this, we can do that. And then eventually it was like, no, 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 but, but whatever. And then the interview service? Yeah, and then, you know, and then just, surfaced. yeah, and then he just put it everywhere. And it was, you know, what are you going to do? I try to battle these things and do whatever. You can't but, please all the people all the time. Yeah, you know. So you have two locations, one in Mamaroneck, one in New Rochelle. So we put this on the New Rochelle Yelp On the Mamaroneck Yelp page. On the Mamaroneck one. That's what I mean, on the Mamaroneck Yelp page. Did he also put it on the He New eventually Rochelle? figured out New Rochelle too. With the same thing. But he thing. wanted to know, make sure if you're looking at Mamaroneck, you knew that he had a bad experience. A bad gotta, experience. You gotta know the story about Smokehouse. Yeah, you gotta know the story. And can I just like reiterate some things? He said, oh, what, you know, he tore the wedge salad. He said, it's a BLT wedge salad. Right. We described it as a light salad that's like a, a lettuce deconstructed BLT yeah. without bread. Yeah. And then he says, oh, they gave us wedges cut up into four. What kind of salad is this? It's a wedge salad. You got salad <laughs> wedges. You know why I don't order that salad out anywhere? Because I don't like that salad, period. I need something more. You know, and then I mean, he, well, that's just you. I enjoy that's, this. Exactly, and then, that's and just then me. I'm sorry. Is six? First of all, six ninety five, not six fifty for our empanadas, right? I don't but think that's too much. Six ninety five for two empanadas, literally. And he goes, "It's a small appetizer." It's it's under it's, small it's ass. A small <laughs> It says like it's it's a small appetizer, but six ninety five for how like we make that from scratch. Yeah, you know, from the dough, brisket. <laughs> it takes forever to make those things. Yeah. And those we also only, melt in your mouth. And they're delicious, they and the tasty. sauce that comes with it is delicious. I don't think that six ninety five is approaching anywhere near, no, unreasonable. Did but, I mean, we know this, and this happened, and this is a one time thing. But it's just really frustrating <laughs> when people, you know, don't want to work with you and don't do the back and forth, and they're just looking for free stuff. Yeah, you know, because they think it's there. 
It's like, you know, I get frustrated. So, sorry. That's one of the one times I'll, I will come out and just be like, no, this guy's wrong. But usually I'm totally on the other side. I, I, I get it. This, this happens throughout the industry, and there are other people that seek these problems out and look for them to be rectified time and time again. And, and then everybody reads that, doesn't realize that this guy's sliding into the DMs yeah, exactly. looking for all kinds of free stuff. Nobody's going to know the, free, you know, they don't the, know the whole backstory. story. Unless they're and then if I comment that, it just looks petty. So I it have does. to just let it live. It does. You're, you're very correct. Uh, guys, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Good talk. See you out there. Deuces. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button because, you know, algorithms. Talk about making it all the way through. Are you following the Instagram account yet? It's at Waiting on Fries Podcast. You can find video and photos of our expeditions in all things industry.